This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome back to The Final Word, the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV right here every Sunday night. They can only hope to contain us. Remember that. Let's get started by introducing you to tonight's three panelists. Please welcome from partners at DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. Hi, Dan. Hi, Albie. Every time somebody makes a mention of the Pirates extending Kebrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds and everything else. Ask yourself, when's the last time one of those deals worked out? Ask Gregory Polanco. From the Trib, also Steelers radio host, of course, Tim Benz is back. When people ask, what are you taking away from the preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what I'm not taking away are the wins and losses because, after all, I don't see the path for the Steelers getting to the Super Bowl going through four non-playoff sub-500 NFC teams. <laughs> but if that's the case, hey, see you in Los Angeles. <laughs> Joining us from Zoom, NFL and Pitt alum, Doran Dickerson. Hey, Doran. Hey, Albie. Uh, no rookie mistakes, and you've heard of that before in the NFL, and it seems like the Steelers have made no rookie mistakes by the draft picks that they've acquired this past year. A lot of great play by the draft picks and the rookies from this year, and no big-time rookie mistakes. All right, lots to discuss tonight and some of the topics we're going to be talking about. The biggest takeaways from last night's Steelers game, the backup quarterback situation, how it's been handled, T.J. Watt's contract talks, and the talk of a floor in Major League Baseball payroll. How about that? But first, the night's big topic, the Steelers with a successful showing against the Detroit Lions. It's only preseason, but we saw a lot last night. What's your outlook for the Steelers after seeing most of the starters in action, Dan? Yeah, like everything else and probably like everyone else, I'm holding my breath on the offensive line. Uh, when you see them showing their talent individually, when you see one guy, whether it's a Kevin Dawson or a Chooksukorafor coming up with a big push, you think to yourself, oh, yeah, this could be, this could be doable. And then you see the big mistakes, and you see Najee Harris getting bent over backward the way he did once deep in Detroit territory, and you get scared. Look, the skill is there on the offense. I don't think anybody on this panel would dispute that. How are you going to keep the quarterback safe? That's the big question. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, and the running back, too. Yeah, to him, too. <laughs> uh, but look, I think just to build off that point, the juxtaposition of those two really good drives that resulted in touchdowns for the Steelers, the first team, as opposed to a drive that was so bad, I thought it was plucked out of the middle of the COVID-19 bowl against the Baltimore Ravens last year. I mean, that first drive looked like 2020 recreated with a false start penalty, a chuck and duck throw, Ben running around for his life, throwing across the field. It's dropped by Ebron. I mean, like you couldn't have replicated 2020 better than that first drive. And then they look fantastic yeah, for the last yeah. two. So, I mean, where I'm going with that thought is I wonder how often we're going to see that in games where it's inconsistent from drive to drive or half to half or quarter to quarter. Mm -hmm. All right, Doran, what did you see from the game? 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I think it was just a first series jitters. You know, getting the, obviously Ben Roethlisberger hasn't played all year. That was his first series. Uh, Eric Ebron, I mean, playing against his former team. I'm making a lot of excuses, but that was the first series of the game. So maybe they had to get some jitters out. But what I like the most and what I can expect for this offense to be is uh, how Matt Canada has approached the, every single game with each quarterback, especially last night with Ben. You saw the last two series that Ben was in. He was moving the ball. They were doing a lot up and down the field. It looked nice and smooth. So I'm anxious to see if Matt Canada can can scheme up some better protections to keep Ben safe and some better plays to get guys open so guys can be successful making plays down the field. All right. A reminder to keep the comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the biggest takeaway, good or bad, from last night's game, just from last night's game. This one is bold, best Steelers draft since 74. Also from Twitter, Big Ben still has it. And from Facebook, Pat Fryermuth, secret no more. Now it's time for the panel. Day in five words, good or bad from last night. <laughs> the Lions punter is amazing. Does that count? <laughs> Dude was incredible. <laughs> I never, looked like CGI coming off his foot every time he kicked. No, seriously, I, I, my, my biggest takeaway uh, from the evening overall is that the Steelers were able to get with their skilled position guys moving down the field. We're not seeing Matt Canada scheming uh, anything yet, as Mike Tomlin told us afterward. It's just a matter of our guys against their guys with the most vanilla play calling possible. But they got down the field and they did it on their skill. And really, when you look at that offense, the potential is there. They just need to block. All right, five words, please, Tim Benz. Better depth than I expected. And mm. that's kind of a theme, not just for the Detroit game, but also the preseason and training camp in general. Uh, I'll give you a couple for instances. We've talked about Fryermuth already. Legitimate, immediate, second tight end weapon. Uh, I think that Melvin Ingram being a legitimate, right away, impactful third outside linebacker. Schobert making uh, Spillane a second tier player instead of a starter. These are all important things. I continue to be impressed by a lot of the depth pass rushers even beyond the three that will start with Watt, Highsmith, and Ingram. And I also think um, there are still questions about who will get the playing time and who will start with the depth secondary guys, but I think there's more options there than I expected at the start of training camp. Doran, five words. Keep feeding the big dog, and that is the big dog tight end, Pat Fryermuth. If anybody knows anything about tight ends, it's me. Um, playing a, a bunch of years at the, at the position, uh, Pat Fryermuth can get into a groove and play the way he played last night and the past preseason games. The Steelers are going to be fine at that position. And he might actually move to the number one tight end over Eric Ebron. I liked every single thing that I've seen out of Pat Fryermuth thus far throughout the preseason. I'm just hoping that he can transition that into the regular season and then hopefully into the playoffs and be that security blanket for Ben Roethlisberger. He mentioned today that he watches a lot of film on Heath Miller with Ben. I mean, that is the perfect tight end. If you want to emulate your game again, uh, about somebody, that is a perfect tight end to emulate your game after. I like Pat Fryermuth. Keep feeding the big dog. Oh, I feel like it, at least jumping in on Eric Ebron's behalf here, he also had four catches for 51 yards and threw two big blocks for Najee Harris. I, we all saw the drop. We all hated the drop. Uh, but I, I, Ebron played pretty well overall. All right. Thank you, guys. The Steelers play their final preseason game Friday at Carolina. We're talking more Steelers when we come back, including the backup quarterback situation. Are the Steelers handling that the right way? Mike from Facebook says, Haskins is the future. Mason's gone. Ben starts. 
The panel debates well, it next gone? as we continue with the final word. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the final word. Welcome back to the final word. Dwayne Haskins did not get any time with the starters last night and has only played with the backups in camp. So what do you make of the way the Steelers have handled the backup battle and who will be left standing when the season starts, Doran? Uh, it's going to be Mason Rudolph, and, and it's for one reason. Uh, Mason emulates been the best out of anybody and you don't want to transition your offense say something does happen to ben throughout the season uh you don't want to you don't want to transition into a quarterback that doesn't fit what ben's characteristics were so mason rudolph fits what ben does the best i believe that that's the easiest transition if something does happen to ben for this offense to move forward so uh, i like what i saw to haskins i i think he's a great quarterback but but mason rudolph will be the the backup this year all right Thank you, Doran. From Joey Bag of Donuts, it was Mason's job to lose, and he didn't. What do you say, Dan? I mean, it's okay to say something nice about Mason Rudolph. I mean, did anybody see the game last night, or are we just going to fixate on the fact that they ended up in three field goals? Uh, one of those drives was 93 yards. The passes that he was making, if you watched all of the passes and not just the ones down by the red zone, were sharp passes. That's the stuff we've been seeing from him throughout training camp. Uh, I will agree that Dwayne Haskins has had a better camp, but that's never what this was going to be about. To go to Doran's point here, it was always going to be about who's the best person to put in the number two spot entering the regular season. Mason Rudolph always had that edge. All right, Tim. Yeah, and if he's not, it's very easy to go to Dwayne Haskins. Sure. But I think they're going to be more inclined in a short spell situation to go with Rudolph as opposed to Haskins even if they might be leaning towards making Haskins a more long-term guy if they want that to be the case to replace Roethlisberger but let me give you some numbers here and I did some rough math real quick I think this is what Rudolph was coming out of the game against Detroit 27 to 36 75 percent 291 yardage no touchdowns interceptions passer rating of 98.3 if I had given you that as the first three games of the preseason numbers mm -hmm. for Mason Rudolph I think you'd be okay with it. Just because you're excited about what Haskins could be, that doesn't mean that somehow Rudolph has regressed or even failed to progress. I think he has progressed a little bit. You know, Tim, we will live forever in Pittsburgh in terror of that period between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, thinking that every, every quarterback that comes here has to be some franchise icon. It just doesn't have to be that way. All right, staying with the Steelers. Talk's still underway on a contract extension for T.J. Watt. The Steelers have that self-imposed start of the regular season deadline. T.J. is not practicing fully. So, with all that in mind, how concerned are you about these contract talks, if you're concerned at all, Tim? I'm not concerned because I think the Steelers are going to give him whatever he wants in the long run anyway. I, I just have that feeling in my gut that he's going to walk away making whatever it is he feels like he wants to make. Um, the only concern that I would have is when that happens, 
does his body break down in the same way that JJ's did uh, as he moved a little bit deeper into his late 20s and towards his 30s. Now, just because that happened to one brother doesn't mean it's going to happen to the other. And again, you know, Derek was kind of dinged up quite a bit last year, too. Uh, I'm not worried about, like, any sort of uh, ramifications, negativity, static between Watt and the Steelers, because I just think the Steelers are going to eventually write the check for this guy. All right, let's go back to see what they're saying out there. Most people on social media believe he'll sign and aren't worried, but Pitt Sports Fan 2 says if you break the bank for TJ, you can't re-sign Minka or Devin. Wouldn't worry about Devin right yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say, Devin Bushes are pretty low priority here. Doran, your thoughts? No, I think TJ Watt is a stealer, and he's going to be a stealer forever. I think that it's a very mutual, this uh, situation. They're going to play it out. It's going to happen at the right time. And, you know, to Tim's point, I, you know, I kind of – I did – I know that he wasn't saying that T.J. Watt might be injury-prone throughout his career, but J.J. plays a whole different position. He plays in the in the, in the the trenches, in the interior, and T.J. plays on the outside. So I'm not really as worried about him, you know, deteriorating as a player. I think he'll be fine and hold up just right. I think that this whole situation is going to mesh right at the right time, and they'll get a deal done, and it'll be the Steeler way. All right, Dan. Dan? Oh, the right time for me was two weeks ago or something along those lines. I want to see T.J. Watt getting completely up to speed uh, so you know that he can be chasing Josh Allen all over the field in Orchard Park. Uh, we just missed the one game in which T.J. could have participated. They're not going to put him in the Charlotte game no matter what. So I think there's at least a little bit of a concern from the timing standpoint. Uh, I, I agree with both of you guys that he is going to be signed, and it's it's not going to be a blank check, but it's going to be kind of close. And they will, by the way, be able to sign Minka. Their cap space is limitless next year. All right. We're going to talk a little baseball. A proposal floating around that would create a salary floor, a minimum for teams to spend. Dan, we're going to start with you. Uh, would that be enough to make teams like the Pirates competitive? Well, it's not just a salary floor, Albie. There's three components to it. There's a, the luxury tax drops from 220 to 180. And anybody who spends over 180, all of that money goes down to the teams that would have to move up. So would it make teams spend it more? They wouldn't have a choice. It's like, it's like asking about a salary cap system. There's a range. You have to spend in it. Everyone's been, I, I've heard a lot of people saying since that was announced, Bob Nutting would never spend that kind of money. He wouldn't have a choice. This is, for those of you who hate Bob Nutting and everything else here, this is your dream, man. He has no choice but to spend to the floor in this system. All right, from Twitter, the floor doesn't mean much if the ceiling is infinite. But it isn't. Tim? Well, when you say it isn't, Dayon, what, what do you mean? You're because of the luxury tax? Yeah. Okay, There's only one team that breaks it right now. That's the Dodgers. Okay, but if the luxury tax goes lower, then more people will be willing to break it, right? You would think so, but then that's more money that makes it down to the bottom. Well, that's that's fine, but then how it's disseminated and then it's spread out for the Pirates. Like, uh, mm -hmm. if, if the better teams can still spend more to make themselves even better than what they are, kind of like what they do with the trade deadline, in my opinion, it's not going to have the impact positively for the Pirates and other low market teams that we might be hoping for. Doran. I, if they have to spend it, yeah, that's one thing. Um, but are they going to spend it right? And are they going to spend it in the quality positions that they need? Are they going to do the right things and build a successful roster, a successful club? And I'm talking about the Pirates, obviously. We don't know that. And they, they show us every other year uh, why that they can't probably make that a possibility. So, yeah, they might have to, may have to spend a certain amount of money, and they might have to reach a goal of spending this amount of money. But are they going to spend it wisely? Are they going to spend it correctly? I don't know. 
All right, stay tuned. And when we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. This is the final word. Welcome back. It's time now for the final word here on the final word. Everybody gets a chance and Dan gets us started. Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, Francisco Liriano, Gregory Polanco, Felipe Vazquez. All of these players, when they signed big extensions with the Pirates, all of us, myself included, no exceptions, applauded. We were all like, yeah, way to go. None of those things worked out for a bunch of different reasons. The one thing we need to get out of our heads in Pittsburgh is this idea that you're going to sign a player and they're going to stay here forever. It doesn't happen anywhere in baseball except Joey Votto in Cincinnati, and that is it. Doran, final word. Tough yards. And looking at this season and, and in the future of this season, I do believe that Juju Smith-Schuster will be the guy who gets the Steelers tough yards, but he will be the number three guy. He won't be a number one receiver. He won't be the number two receiver. He'll be the number three, number four receiver this year that gets the tough yards. And that's a good thing for the Steelers. But I don't know if Juju thinks that's a good thing. He may still, still see himself as a number one receiver, but in reality, he's a number three guy that gets tough yards. Tim, final word. Imagine you're the Miami Marlins and you are 51 and 74. You've won 40% of your games and you're 17 and a half back in the wild card race. And there are still four teams in Major League Baseball way worse than you. And yes, one of them is the Pirates winning 35% of their games. Texas winning 35% of their games. Arizona, who comes to town to play the Pirates this week. And then Baltimore, the Orioles at 30.9%, and 55 there's a lot of bad baseball being played right now in Major League Baseball, which is why to our previous conversation, I still think they need something better than this floor modified cap system to have a true impact. All right. Labor Day is only two weeks away, and the Pirates season will go about three weeks after that. Today, the Bucks lost their 80th game. That means Pirates need to win 20 of their final 39 to avoid 100 losses. It's not a surprise that the Bucks struggled this year, not even close. We all knew the situation. Patience is very important right now for fans of the Pirates. But for this season, sadly, the challenge of avoiding 100 losses is the only thing left as the final stretch for the Bucks lurks. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Day and Tim and Doran. We'll see you next time.